And welcome to another episode of the VR Download, a weekly show recorded live in the Upload Virtual Studios, where we bring you the latest news, reviews, comments, and interviews from the VR industry. My name is Kyle, Operations Manager at Upload. And over here to my right, uh, we have Ian. Hello, everyone. All right. And we have Jamie. Hello. I'm on my second beer because it's been a long week. <laughs> And our guest this week, James, go ahead and introduce yourself to the uh, viewers. Yeah, hi everyone. My name is James and I'm the uh, creative lead on Curious Tale. Uh, all right, everybody, let's go on to the news for the week. John Carmack, uh, he is now going to be a consulting CTO, uh, Chief Technology Officer. Ian, why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about this? Boy, uh, there's a lot going on there. There's a lot to unpack with Carmack, right? He's uh, the technical guide at Oculus for many years. Before he even officially joined Oculus, he was sort of a popularizer of VR technology, uh, helping to glue some of those pieces onto the first Rift uh, prototypes for, for Palmer Lucky, and then uh, helping to popularize the idea that VR is finally here and finally able to provide a compelling experience at a very affordable price point. So uh, he comes and gives these talks every year at Oculus Connect. People love it. They wait all year for that two-hour download of just straight information from, from him. And uh, for the longest time, he's always been CTO. So uh, Facebook bought Oculus in 2014. And for the last five years, he's just been called this uh, CTO role. And so uh, introducing the idea that he's the consulting CTO and uh, reducing his focus to focus on artificial intelligence is quite a significant moment, I guess I would say, mm. in the evolution of the VR industry. I think the Absolutely. question is, uh, people are sort of looking at what happened and going, uh, is VR over? Because <laughs> uh, if it doesn't have CarMax interest, uh, why should it have anybody else's? And I don't think that's the right take, but um, it's fairly, fairly significant that he's no longer kind of, what would we say? He could be looked to as guiding the decision-making or deciding mm. that the, the guiding the technical decision-making. I don't know that he ever really was a decision-maker there. It's just, he's definitely uh taking a backseat role he's still involved in guiding there it's just not the same there's been several times in the history of uh you know vr and oculus where carmack has um been the solution provider the technical solution provider um you know will he continue in that role as a person who, like, you know, you use the word guide, I'm wondering, will he be able to continue to guide or will some of the things that he say fall on deaf ears uh, in the future? Yeah. Uh, so I don't know if this is too much. Sorry, what was that? Um, so we, I heard a voice from outside. Um he he god speaks to us just so you guys know <laughs> but i think he was telling kyle to come back so he can be unfrozen yeah kyle froze so i guess i'll unpack this real quick it's this it's a sore subject for me so um oculus connect was first held in 2014 right after facebook yep. bought oculus and 
Carmack has this habit of coming out and just answering everybody's questions in the hallways at these VR developers conference. So uh, over time, they started, he, he did app review sessions where he would just answer question after question and, and try out builds of various VR games at the Oculus Connect event and just, pe- just be brutally honest with everything that is wrong with that virtual reality app. And so these sessions were incredibly valuable to a lot of VR developers out there when they could yeah. just you know put a headset on them, get that feedback, find out what's wrong or what they can improve. And in 2015, hello, welcome back. Mm, hi, thank you. Uh, in the 2015 conference, uh, he was giving one of these talks and I walked up and saw people holding their phones out in front of them, filming uh, Carmack speak and answer these questions. And I said, to myself, of, well, I guess I should film everything I can of Carmack speaking because I know that there's thousands of people out there on the internet that want to hear all of his advice. So I, I bring my phone out and I start recording him for 20 minutes. My hand is getting shaky because I'm holding this this camera and he hasn't stopped speaking. Well, uh, so I record my 20 minute, you know. Uh, session of Carmack answering questions. I go back to the press room, write up a story about what he said. I asked him a couple questions during the the chat and uh, publish it online. So uh, apparently uh, that caused a stir inside Oculus and uh, he was never allowed to sort of be recorded after that at the official Facebook event. And I feel so such a loss because there's four years or whatever it is, of him answering hours and hours and hours of everyone's VR questions, all their advice, that just was left unrecorded. It's not it's not out there for the future to sort of digest or see how he influenced all these mm. thousands of developers out there. And I just feel I feel like there's such a loss there in history being recorded and, and given him taking this consulting role, I don't know if we're ever gonna see something like that again. Can we just clarify? Yeah, the amount he, of he, he's, he's not dead, Ian. <laughs> right. Yeah, right. I, I just told him it's a completely different episode of Carmack died. <laughs> <laughs> you know, no, it is it is pretty important though to to make note of the fact, and I like the way that you phrase that, which is um, what did we miss out on because it wasn't recorded for posterity or for knowledge, whatever. Uh, mm-hmm. It is a shame. It is a shame. What were you going to yeah. add, Jamie? Well, I just feel like he also like he just lent the industry such authenticity at this point, right? There's this mm-hmm. uh, like he was one of the big uh, I don't know what you want to. He was almost like a buzzword in the fact that people would say, "Oh, VR is overrated. VR's not going anywhere." And it's like, well, then why is John Carmack the guy that was almost you know single-handedly responsible for the birth of 3D gaming, or at least three or four people with him were? working in this industry and still remains committed to it and believes in it. And I'm not saying now that he's gone, that authenticity is, uh, that often ah, can't speak today. Authenticity is gone, but it definitely feels, it feels, I would say it feels more like a hit than when Nate Mitchell left Oculus a couple of months ago. Um, and I think those are the two high, high profile Oculus departures this year, aren't they? Like, I think Brendan Reeve was last year, if I'm right. To, to, to be clear, I mean, he's uh, Carmack is still a Facebook employee. He's still actively involved well, okay, over yeah. there at Facebook. It's just, 
there's definitely a change there and we don't really know the impact. And it's kind of a bummer to see these people pile on and say, oh, well, it's not worthy of CarMax's uh, focus anymore. Therefore, it's dead. Uh, it doesn't make it doesn't follow. But he did. Uh, he was very like you said, he was very candid about like uh, OC6 and, and other OCs about like the kind of discussions he'd have with, you know, Samsung and Facebook in the days of trying to get mobile VR and standalone VR to work right. And, you know, it was nice in a sense knowing that John Carmack was fighting in our corner uh, against all the, the corporate overlords in some sense. And I, I, I just wonder if we have that now, I guess. I, mm. I, one thing I definitely want to bring up is Minecraft, right? Is that this, that's no, a true. much more realistic, like, is that the nail in the coffin of Minecraft on future Oculus headsets? Uh, I'm going to say no to that. It will happen. We will see Minecraft, official Minecraft on Quest. I, I can almost guarantee it. It would be ridiculous for them not to. I don't know. Hey, uh, James, are you? Uh, do you have any thoughts on the whole Carmack thing? Well, I mean, uh, not not really, but I mean, he's an he's an open per- person that people like, and uh, it's a shame that he's not part of Oculus anymore. Uh, not working there in the studio, at least. But yeah. uh, I mean, I'm sure he's still going to be vocal and say his thoughts, and it, I'm not even sure we'll notice any difference, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually a really good way of putting it. Will we notice any difference, like going forward? Because he, you're right, he does have such a he had such a singular focus at Oculus is the thing. It's not like he was everyone else, you know, trying to push the rift forward or um, or working on other areas like that. He had that mobile singular focus, right? And and that almost went away a bit when uh, Quest came out, right, to a, to a degree. He was very invested in that kind of Gear VR, uh, Oculus Go ecosystem. And I, I think a lot of that was kind of removed when Quest came along, I think. You know, I I don't know. I could see the quest as sort of the culmination of that journey, right? Like True. after you get quest out the door, what else is there to do except improve future versions of quest? And yeah, that's very. You know, true. I, I can kind of see that challenge curve decreasing once you've gotten quest out the door. Like now, mm-hmm. it's just improving what we've already done. You, you know, I have I have an intriguing question for you, Ian. Um, when we all first started in the VR scene and Oculus uh, had names, uh, you mentioned Brendan and Nate and, uh, you know, uh, there's Palmer and there's, you know, John Carmack. Ian, who are the names that you know now at Oculus? Mm, it's a good question. It's it's not Oculus anymore. It's Facebook, right? I mean, that's well, right. Is Abrash the last one? Abrash yeah. is still there at uh, FRL, I guess, or whenever. But keep in mind, Abrash didn't come in until the acquisition sort of was under, yeah. you know, sort of going to happen. And um, it's it's one of those periods in VR's history that's still a little bit shrouded in mystery is exactly how did those negotiations happen and why did Abrash leave Valve exactly? Um, you know, he said in some of his speeches, he's given indications of just Facebook being the one to invest the billions, literal billions of dollars needed to push this technology into the mainstream. Mm. And yeah, there aren't a lot of people there from pre-acquisition that are still in 
the top tiers, uh, they're there. I think the the issue that we're all kind of like dancing around or talking around is that uh, Facebook has imposed its design and its needs very heavily over the VR and AR efforts. Mm. And the people that are at Facebook and Oculus and doing VR now have to get in line with serving the larger interest of Facebook. So they, they need to make sure whatever they're doing is benefiting Facebook at large. Whereas, you know, prior few years, they could do various experiments. They could fail a couple times. They could, you know, improve it and get better and better and better. But now VR is extremely important to Facebook's bottom line and getting them to their next phase of not just being an ad serving tech giant of actually making hardware products that people want to buy and use and buy the next generation of. And everyone at Facebook and Oculus kind of, I just, I always think about this. What is it like to work at a place? I'm, I'm literally in Heaney's studio right now, but like, what's it like to be in a place where you have to communicate on Facebook's platform for all your work? And then you go home and you start talking to your friends about your work while using Facebook Messenger. And at any time, Mark Zuckerberg could decide, I need to know what is in that employee's message history to see if they stepped out of line. Like it just, it's, it's, I'm sure that's not like on everyone's minds every day who works at Facebook, but it has to be there at some level. You know, from a different perspective, Ian, um, it's very possible that the the thing that we've wanted for so long for VR, which is this mainstream success, that all of these things that are happening, I mean, it used to be that we all had personal relationships with folks at Oculus, and now they're a business owned by a bigger business that mm. is being used at work and at home constantly, and now they are building VR. Is this the mainstream channel that we need to swim down to be able to get everybody into VR all the time? Is this the, is this the payment? Is this the mm. little chunk that you have to give up to be able to get it on everybody's head? And I just wonder if, you know, Carmack moving to this consulting CTO and, you know, who knows where Abrash will go or if he'll stick around. Um, yeah, maybe this is just indications that we are getting to this more mainstream, more corporate driven focus for VR. So it mm. could be indications that good things are happening. I don't know. Just a different perspective. True. Oh, yeah, I think. Yeah. I, it's got to okay. be good. I mean, we have to see it as good if we really want to like uh, – it's like it's still there's only a couple million people out there that really use VR headsets on a regular basis. Like if you add up all the different platforms and that's not where Facebook wants to be, where Valve wants to be, where anyone that uh, is making VR software wants to be. They want a market of tens of millions to sell to. Yep. And yeah, to all your points, they, we need to get there somehow. Think about how absurd that sounds oh there's only a couple million i mean just that's so funny to hear somebody say it that way you know but it's true it is true they need tens of millions hundreds of millions uh yeah uh let's move on to our next piece here um boneworks boneworks is releasing on december 10th uh new trailer dropped uh who wants to take this one jamie did what do you know about boneworks yeah i mean (laughs) 
Boneworks is, I it's getting onto the point where Boneworks almost has kind of like half life. It, there's an association with Valve mm-hmm. in this game, right? Um, the whole thing about Boneworks, if you've never seen it before, is it is a VR native first person shooter. Um, Ian's played it. He played it back in March at GDC, I think. And the entire point of the game is uh, the physics are taking VR to the next level, is, is what they would say is, is, is the buzz the buzz line or, or whatever you want to call it, in that you can realistically handle any weapon. You can grab any surface realistically and maybe hoist yourself up. You know, you have a physical body in the game. Um and a lot of the enemies, like there's spider-like enemies and it's entirely physics driven and you can like grab them by like each of the legs. And if you want to rip them apart that way, you can do it or you can just like swing one round and beat other enemies over the head with it. It's like from what we've seen from uh, videos and trailers, it seems to be incredibly impressive. Um, and I think in the absence of the release of Valve's uh, flag- flagship VR game, which they did say was coming this year, but we haven't heard anything about ever since. Boneworks has really filled in the gap, right? I think a lot of the hardcore PC audience are really waiting on this game. Uh, whether or not it's going to deliver, I mean, that's a really interesting question. I mean, Stress Level Zero is a good developer with a good track record. They haven't um, they haven't released something on the scale of, say, Half-Life yet, but this is sending off those kind of vibes. And I know... I, w- I would say it's fair to say this year we've had a couple of disappointments in terms of like how much we were looking forward to things. I don't think No Man's Sky in the end really took off as as much as we were really thinking it would. But yeah, I mean, December 10th, we're all kind of hoping that Boneworks is the one, right? Yeah, I guess. I mean, sure. I, I don't know. James, do you have any hot take on Boneworks? I mean, have you seen the new trailer and gameplay? Yeah, so I've seen the trailer, and I mean, it looks really impressive mechanic-wise and so on, but I still don't see the story. I don't know what the actual mm. gameplay is. So at the moment, for me, it looks like a really fancy tech showcase. But well, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping there's more than that, obviously. And uh, I, I'm a lover of the Quest, so I'm waiting for their Project 4. Um, oh, so, of course, uh, yeah, they're doing that afterwards, aren't they? Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, I have to wait and see, but I'll definitely give it a go when it's released. That, I mean, that's a great point because it is like the setting of the game is very much in warehouses and, mm. you know, uh, virtual testing fields and whatnot. It's it's almost like they know it's a tech demo in, in some sense, isn't it? And I, it, I think that's the absolute key point is when people get their hands on this, how much of a campaign is it and against how much of a, you know, a wave shooter, a disguised wave shooter or an, or an arena battler is it, right? It's interesting the comparison to like tech demo because I, you, you brought up Half-Life, but I see Portal. Uh, I see the sort of colors of Portal uh, reflected in some of their gameplay and their, their uh, environmental decisions there. And if you go back and look at Portal, that very much feels the same way as like a tech demo where it's just let's string together a whole bunch of uh, really fun puzzle levels with this mechanic. And then they, 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 sl- they slapped on this uh, uh, cake is a lie mm. story to string these levels together. And honestly, it's, it's, it worked as an incredible game. It's one of my favorite yeah, that's games. Very true. That's very, very and, true. Yeah. I don't know. You know, um, there are some games out there that actually are mechanic first, story later. 
Yeah. Uh, that, that, and that's when you're developing, you have to do that. You have to say, I'm either going to build a game that has this amazing narrative driven, uh, gameplay, or I'm going to say, I want to be able to shoot stuff and have goofy elbows in my, you know, my IK. And then later I'll throw in, you know, the, the pie is the truth or something dumb like that. I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) I don't think the pie is the truth would have taken off quite as much. Well, maybe it would have. (laughs) I want to bring up a pistol whip there because, uh, I've seen people complaining about the menus and various developers commenting on design choices in the menu system of pistol whip. But I, I think it's worth, uh, noting that, uh, they, the menu system, I, I played early versions of the game, and the menu system was one of the last things that was redone in the builds I saw. It was, they focused on making the game fun first, and then added, like, the menu after, and it's it's apparently, some people are confused by that menu system. I've heard from multiple people who are like, how do I activate dual wield in Pistol Whip? And you have to point out, oh, yeah, you, you look to the oh, left yeah. and find the menu over there. And uh, it's a simple thing, but it's 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 clear that they started with the fun first and sort of did the, the frilly things after just to, uh, just to bring it back to the comments, Chris, uh, Chris Richardson says that Boneworks is deliberately hiding the story to avoid spoilers, which is an interesting, uh, point to make. And, uh, he could, he could be right to be fair. I think what we've seen is very ambiguous story wise. I, I would be really fascinated. And this is entirely speculation on my point. Oh, I think I've frozen. So I'll drop out in a second, but yeah, uh, I would be fascinated to see if, uh, there were any kind of links to the half-life universe in any way. Now, maybe like there's a good chance. None of that's in there. And I'm entirely speculating, but just in the same way that portal and half-life have those kind of tenuous links between them. I think it'd be really interesting to see if that ended up finding a home in Bowmarks too. I'm going to quit out. And I'll be right back. Okay. I want to bring up uh, hot dogs, horseshoes, and hand grenades real quick because Valve has shown a willingness to uh, offer their intellectual property for other developers to use in their Meat Fortress update this year. So that was a Team Fortress 2-themed update to a completely different game that really interested a ton of people. And all it was was Valve granting permission to a developer to use, use their property. Huh. So I'm curious, James, do you have any desire to put hot dogs in your game or maybe <laughs> four shoes or? Well, I'm, I'm a vegetarian, so I think I'll stick oh. the hot dogs. <laughs> okay. <laughs> good hey, answer. James. Good answer. Yeah. Here's a really interesting question. Your, uh, your next game, Budget Cuts 2, which you're co-developing with Neat, is releasing two days uh, after Boneworks, right? Yeah, that's right. How, how'd you feel about that? I know there's uh, there's been a, re- a few reactions here at the office uh, regarding that, but uh, I mean I'm so focused on the Curious Tale at the moment, mm. so I haven't given in much for it myself. But I mean, that's uh, a brilliant it's a, it's media a good, trained it's, answer. <laughs> it's a good point. You got there. <laughs> All right, let's move on to the next piece of news here. Uh, looks like uh, those of you who are Quest users and want to change your home environment uh you may be able to do that soon uh who wants to take this one ian uh, what do you think about that yeah so i'll talk about this Uh, i think that's the 11.0 update for quest and Mm -hmm. it so the way facebook does this is they post their release notes on their forum 
And that sort of signals that over the next few days, they'll be rolling that out, that update out globally. So if you don't see that update on your Oculus Quest yet, give it a couple of days and you should be able to get it uh, when your Quest is connected to Wi-Fi and charging. Mm. So that's that, that, that update should be rolling out. And I think I was looking at the comments on the forums and everyone only wants Oculus Link, right? They're, they're looking through the change log as quickly <laughs> as they can for the Oculus Link beta, but that's not in this update. And so in this update should be after everyone gets this piece of software on their, on this, on the, on their quests, Give it a couple more weeks, and then they'll update and allow you to change your environments on the home screen a little bit. Mm. Um, I'm curious. The, the thing that I've noticed about the home screen is if, if you're a Quest owner out there and you've never used headphones, most people are probably unaware that you can hear a lot of ambient sound just mm-hmm. in your Quest home because Wait, that's how you? much audio. Oh, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, there you go. I've never, I've never used headphones in my Quest. I didn't know that. Yeah, so there's a little bit of ambient sound there, and you can only hear them with with earbuds in, and it's kind of fascinating to kind of like there's that layer there that nobody even really is aware is there because uh, so much sound is lost. See, that's the John Carmack magic we're all going to miss, right? You know, somebody at Oculus right now is going, why is Carmack getting credit for what I did? (laughs) (laughs) True. You know, know. just something so stupidly obscure, that's what I mean, basically. Attention to detail. Yep. Mm. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, James, do you do you have any uh, uh, desire to go in and change your home? I mean, how much time do you actually spend in the actual home environment versus immediately jumping into an app? Well, personally, I don't spend a lot of time there. I mean, like you say, you would no- normally know what you're aiming to play and you wouldn't spend too much time there. But to be honest, for a lot of people putting on the headset, it's the first thing they see. So there's a point in spending some time there and actually Mm. being able to customize it. But uh, personally, I'm not that bothered at the moment. Maybe if you could put your own, build your own stuff and put in there eventually uh, more like uh, Facebook horizon uh, type. Yeah. That that would be more interesting. That's exactly what I was going to say is that it sounds like this might be a precursor to horizon, Mm. uh, Facebook horizon, where you, you, you know, you can go to the homes and if they're customized on Quest, that's that's a big deal. So yeah. that might be, uh, yeah, yeah. Do do we have any new comments? James? Well, I was yeah, I was going to say Greg's VR says he literally, or he or she, although it's Greg, so probably he, uh, literally only spends time in home just to edit his avatar. Um, which you can't, can you edit your avatar inside Quest? I think he's talking about Oculus Home on Rift, right? I haven't done Ooh. it from you. Can, you can I see your tried. avatar in Quest. I've only I done think. it from Rift. Yeah. Yeah, I've never tried. Interesting. You, okay. Zena's saying, Zena's saying she's edited her avatar in Quest. That's the only place I've done. Zena says that's the only place she's done it. Zena's in the room with me, just so you know. Zena. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think that's the interesting point about all of this. Is it goes back to ecosystem, right? And how much you want to spend time in an ecosystem outside of games and apps. Now, if something was if something like this was on PlayStation VR, I'm very invested in the PlayStation VR ecosystem. I love getting trophies, I love, you know, uh, connecting with my friends online. If something's on PlayStation, that's where I prefer to play it. Um and so I feel like it's a shame that, you know, in the 3 years that we've had PSVR now, all we have still when you 
boot up the PSVR for the first time, it's just a flat screen version of the PS4 menu in a completely dark area. So when it get when we get to talking about, you know, like home environments for VR, that's one of the big things I'm really hoping for in PSVR two is like a much more native interface for that headset Has- and and somewhere that feels like home for me as a PlayStation user inside PSVR two. I'm not there with Oculus Quest because Facebook's idea of where I'd want to be in a home environment is very Silicon Valley, shall we say? Mm. But uh, yeah, I'd, I'm really interested to see what uh, PlayStation do with that in the next generation. Has Has anyone ever used the social features in Steam VR, the the Steam VR home mm. multiplayer? Oh, uh, mm. no, no. Yeah, I have mm. not. But they have some really great ideas. Like Steam VR collectibles are brilliant. It's just I think the problem is that. You know, Steam achievements in general, I don't feel like ever really got off the ground in com- in comparison to Xbox achievements or PlayStation trophies, right? Like, I don't, I don't know many people that really gun for every achievement on Steam. I mean, there's so many releases on Steam that would be ridiculous. And I feel like some of that perception kind of carried through to SteamVR collectibles, even though it's a really, really good idea. See, I feel like it, all of a sudden a little thing pops up and says, oh, you unlocked or achieved blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I mm. don't really care i'm just playing the game yeah. man <laughs> yeah fair enough yeah yeah okay well we'll have to see what kind of home environments we end up with uh moving on to the next piece of news and, and I'm, i think i'm just going to announce this i'm going to say this sentence every episode until it's out the climb is coming soon <laughs> to oculus quest so i'm going to get that on a t-shirt i'm going to wear my avatar's going to the climb is coming soon Coming soon to, to Quest. Uh, who who wants to discuss this? Hey, the climb is coming soon to Oculus Quest. <laughs> is yeah. it? Hey, Ian, what do you think? Yeah, I think it's coming soon to Oculus Quest. That's what I've heard. Coming soon? Yeah. 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 Uh, I mean, there's really nothing. I mean, is there anything else to say about it? What, what are the chances that it is playable via Oculus Link Beta before it's natively playable? Now that is hilarious. <laughs> that yeah, that's I'm true. waiting for that. So it's a race. It's a race, folks. Will we that's... play the climb on a quest natively or on Link? Which one? I that's a uh, that's a YouTube video that will get us 100k likes easy if we just <laughs> if we just you know do some entirely misleading advertising on it. <laughs> Not that we would ever do that, dear one. No, 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 no. 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 Anyway. Um, yeah, I guess, I guess that's really all there is to say about that. I mean, uh, I don't know. Uh, Jay- hang on, hang on. Yeah. yeah. The climb is coming soon to Oculus. <laughs> okay. That's, all, hey, that's hey, James. the final line. Hey, James, did, did you hear that the climb is coming soon to Oculus? Quest? Yeah, I actually, I heard it in the grapevines. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> man, man. I mean, the climb is a good game. Have you played the climb? Oh yeah, I, I yeah. played it. That was one of the ones where they did a they did a test where they had Oculus Rifts that you could play at a bar in Vegas, and like one of the five games you could play at that bar was you could you know step up and some someone could help you into the the rift and you could play the climb uh, while you know coming out of the headset to drink a beer and uh, I don't think that lasted very long very good very good um but yeah uh i don't know it's it's that's one of those games that's really fun to show people it can get your heart racing really fast and it's so gorgeous and you know robo recall had such a big visual downgrade what what are they really 
going to be able to pull off is a really good question. Um, you know, the I, nice I, thing about that. Yeah, go ahead. I have a comment from DOG27. He says, or she says, sorry, I've really got stuff. I'm like, um, says, I just heard the climb is coming to Oculus Quest. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's good comment. Thank you. Wow. Excited about that. Oh, wow. <laughs> sorry, please that. continue. Yeah. Um, no, it, it really is uh, one of those games where you're really focusing on what your hands are doing. And so uh, from a visual, uh, you know, uh, quality standpoint, uh, I'd be OK with lower graphics as long as the mechanics are still there. Uh, but really, I mean, it's just all a matter of when will the climb come to Oculus Quest? That's yeah. don't know. Don't know. Okay. OK, well, hey. What do you think? Should we move on to your releases of the week? I believe we covered the last topic extensively, so yes. <laughs> I think so. I'm pretty I'm pretty sure we're okay with that. Um Jamie, I feel like you um have just played games all, all week. Um like you yeah. know, you're not talking at meetings, you're not answering emails. <laughs> You've just been playing games. What what is going on, man? What are you what playing? Emails have you sent me? <laughs> Well, see, there you go. If you check, okay, your- <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> Kidding, obviously. <laughs> okay, well, I mean, running down the releases, like usually in VR, you know, maybe there's on a good week, there's one release to talk about, maybe two, maybe we just have to, like, kind of weirdly adopt some terrible-looking Steam VR title just so we have something to talk about, but not this week. I I will say it right now, with my finger on this desk. This is the biggest release of VR we. Uh, Wait, I got that wrong. Biggest week of VR releases we've ever had. I'm going to say it. I, and I believe, who, who would agree with me, based on the fact that this week we have, I'll save you for last. But first of all, we have <laughs> the long-awaited release of Gollum on PSVR. Now, that game was released, uh, announced long before uh, PSVR itself actually came out. We've been waiting on that game for ages. Uh, on Tuesday, we have we had Doctor Who, uh, The Edge of Time, uh, developed by a UK studio called Maze Theory. It's about a two-hour-long, fully interactive Doctor Who adventure. Uh, we had an escape room-style game called Last Labyrinth, uh, made in Japan by, oddly enough, the developer that made the Sony cat mascot in Japan, which they say in every press release. And I'm like, why are you saying this? <laughs> <laughs> what does that mean? But okay, fine. Anyway, um, we have a bunch more PlayStation VR releases. I think Contagion VR finally came from Steam VR to PSVR. And then finally, out today, as of a couple of hours ago, we have The Curious Tale of the Stolen Pets, which James was, forgive me if I'm wrong, the creative lead on. Is that the right way to say it? Yeah, that, yeah that's my title. That's the one. Yep. So that is a busy week of releases, right? That is, at the very, very least, that is three super high quality releases, I would say, or super, super, super notable releases, um, which is kind of I want, rare. I want to include Pistol Whip if we count from last Thursday you to Thursday. You cannot have Pistol Whip. Pistol Whip Please. came out last Come week. Come on. No, I can't. I want to use You've spoken about Pistol Whip already. Oh. And what what about Stormlands? <laughs> Did I say Stormland? No. Oh, no. I didn't say Stormland. You're right. Ooh, yeah. I thought I'll, I'll leave Stormland for later in the list, and I forgot it. Yes, also from Oculus Studios. I can't believe I forgot that. Thank you so much. That's right. Why do you advertise your game more? <laughs> uh, Stormland, the big uh, new Oculus exclusive of the week from Insomniac Games, the people that did, uh, in terms of VR speak, they did The Unspoken, they did Feral Rights. That's 
less about the feral rights the better and edge of nowhere and last year they did uh the spider-man ps4 exclusive game which was a huge huge release um yeah that's that's many many releases ian have you have you played anything other than the long list that uh, jamie just gave us Oh, yeah. uh, what did I play this week? Uh, yeah, so I uh, wanted to talk to James about how I I played uh, your game because um, my kid played your game, basically, and I watched my kid play your game on the big screen, and it was a really enjoyable experience to even have that kind of interaction with your game. And I'm wondering, is that was that a design choice or is that something you plan for in design was for people to play that uh sort of co-op no not 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 necessarily i mean i've created a game that i really wanted to play and it turned out that i really like to play a family friendly game so and that's turned out to be something positive it's i'm super happy that people like to play the game and then share it with their family members that's Mm. that's something really good so uh, i'm i'm glad you're playing it that way it's it's and and I and I feel weird describing it as playing because I'm not actually doing the controls. Yeah. But like my my kid is looking for a pet, and I'm looking at the environment just like she is, and I'm saying, mm-hmm. "Have you have you tried this? Have you tried this?" And and offering suggestions mm-hmm. to sort of uh, find our way and and unleash some of these pets. And no matter if she actually unlocked the level, uh, you know, unlocked and found the puzzle my, herself or whether I actually assisted as soon as that pet pops out, we're both cheering just the same and get that little rush of excitement at, at finding a, an animal. And that's great. It sounds like you're, you're sharing the ex- experience together. So, I mean, that's, uh, that's great. Hey Quite James, fun. what, based on your influences then, what, what are some of your favorite games that maybe influenced Curious Tale? Yeah, so the games I tend to come back to uh, when talking about this game is uh, Captain Toad Treasure Trackers one. Yeah, uh, great. That's a great joke. Re- really like that one. And then I'm I'm a lover of puzzle, puzzle games, point and click. So all the uh, Amanita design games, Machinarium, Botanicola, Samaros, mm. I love those games. So uh, that's another inspiration. That's those. That's interesting. You say that because those like inspirations really line up with the game, especially Captain Toad. I mm. I hadn't thought about it that way actually. Did you um Did you ever play the VR support for Captain Toad on the on the Switch? No, I know of it, but I haven't tried it actually. It's it's terrible. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's actually <laughs> of all the Switch VR games, actually Captain Toad's the one that actually kind of works okay mm. um, with that Labo VR kit. The rest the rest of them are. But yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. And I um, just want to add the only only other thing that uh, I wanted to add in terms of releases this week is I jumped on Steam and played uh, Synthesis Universe, uh, uh, which yeah. came out this week. Yeah. Uh, I think it came out on the 12th. And I'll tell you, it, it's a very, it's not a game. It's an experience. It's very mm. compelling, music driven. Uh, you don't even need to use your controllers. And uh it, it, it's it's worth checking out. I think. I think it's uh, an inter- There are going to be people who are really going to appreciate that type of music-driven narrative experience. Um, and uh, I believe the developer is coming out with different episodes. So episode zero, which I think is kind of like the pilot, and then other episodes will follow down the road. So Synthesis Universe is uh, released this week. That was kind of interesting. Do we have any comments, Jamie? Well, yeah. So Kevgret says he can't wait to play Curious Pets tonight. Uh, then he asks, mm-hmm. and I, I won't hold you to this, but he asks, when are we getting Apex Construct 2? 
Ooh. Oh, I mean, it, <laughs> no, okay, I no, I'm just going to say, I don't know. <laughs> Coming soon to Quest? <laughs> confirmed right here on the podcast. No, 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 no it's not confirmed. I'm sorry, no, that no, was a no, joke. No, no. Um, Oh, someone else said that, uh, has asked if anyone here has tried Abode 2. I haven't tried Abode 2, but that's a very polished looking puzzler. Um, mm. I think we should spend some time talking about uh, Stormland, right? Because that's this huge multi-million dollar release. I, I, I'd hate to think how much money was spent on that kind of project uh, for a platform that only has a few million users. Um, Stormland, has anyone else here played Stormland yet? Just a couple demos. Yeah, okay. I, cool. Yeah. So, you, James, have you had a chance to try out Stormland? No, no, no. I've only seen only seen videos of it. Okay. Well, Storm Stormland. Uh, you can check out our review on the site right now. But Stormland is great. I gave it four out of five. Four stars out of five. Um, it is. In, I think the the key point from my review that I want to get across to people is it is unquestionably the slickest first-person shooter you can play in VR right now. It uh, When it works, it plays like an absolute dream. You can... Uh, there's mechanics from, like, the climb in there. So, uh, Stormland, you are traversing these islands that are connected by a bed of clouds. You're a robot. You can hover on the clouds. You have, you know, kind of randomly generated objectives that you go to a different cloud. You might find, like, a boss enemy. You might need to take out a certain number of enemies with a certain type of gun. Um, and so all of that stuff sounds fairly kind of middle of the road and generic, but the important thing about Stormland is when it's working right, it handles like an absolute dream. So you can climb like you can climb in the climb, but you can climb anywhere. And because you're a robot, you can kind of grab a point here and then like throw yourself up and you'll throw yourself into the air. And then, uh, you've kind of got like, you know, like, uh, I don't know, whatever you want to call it, like Iron Man style, like boosters in your, in your body. So you glide back down. So you can grab two guns and like gun down enemies as you're slowly gliding towards, uh, the ground, or you can summon a shield from this hand, or you could summon another blaster from this hand. If you want to shoot with one weapon, uh, that's fine. You take your free hand and the entire weapon kind of morphs to fit your grip. So you can do that kind of weird VR thing of imitating holding a two-handed weapon, but the game actually works with it in a really natural and seamless way. Um, and I think Stormland has a lot of really, really interesting uh, additions and solutions to problems in the first-person shooter genre that we'll see a lot of other people use going forward. The problem is the game has a lot of kind of more uh, what's the word? I don't know, just rudimentary issues in terms of things like enemy AI is a really, really big problem in that game. Uh, stealth is a big element in the game. So there's that kind of whole system of has an enemy detected you yet or not? And nine times out of 10, or actually, no, that's a gross exaggeration. Often, I'll just say often, when I was shooting on an island, I was shooting one enemy right in front of me. There was a good chance the enemies next to them hadn't really noticed. And that is okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, if you check my video review, there's one key point in my video review where I am literally, I have a submachine gun and I am shooting in this guy's face right here. And he's like taking all these bullets and then he blows up. And I look this way and there's a boss enemy with just a yellow line, like looking at this uh, guy blow up. And he's just like, oh, that's curious. 
you know, like a, <laughs> like just like a battle scene this. when they line up one after another in a movie, right? Just waiting yeah, for the, basically. the hero right, to finish. Right. So, uh, yeah, so it, it has some significant issues. Um, Joe for 9000 just said, just tried Stormland, good game, but gosh, it's so frustrating sometimes. And yeah, that's basically it. When when it's not going your way, when you want to kind of grab a gun, but maybe your hand's not angled just right and you end up grabbing the ground and you're kind of like pulling yourself around on the ground like that, it's incredibly frustrating. Um, so I would have loved to have given it five stars as David gave Asgard's Wrath five stars a couple of weeks ago and you gave Pistol Whip uh, five stars last week. Shout out to Pistol Whip. Um, you just took away my chance to bring a pistol up, darn it. <laughs> Um, but at the end of the day, there's, t- there's, there's too many of these issues. The, the painful thing is it's, it's, it's probably a couple of patches or something away from five stars, right? We'll, we'll have to see where it is in a couple of months from now, I guess. I mean, that's how games are, right? I mean, they come yeah. out and then they need patches and, you know, nothing is better than having your entire, uh, fan base beta testing for you for mm-hmm. a mm-hmm. year or so. I mean, that's, that's the Microsoft mm-hmm. model, right? You know, you release it, you let your users beta test for it. What, what, are the, what are the guarantees that it will get those updates? I mean, given, given the there, relationship there's never any there. guarantee, there's never, there's never any, any guarantee. guarantee, but at the same time, this is an Oculus supported game. And I would, I would, you know, I think there's a reasonable chance it's even more popular than Asgard's rap in, in, in some senses. It's, it's a genre that probably has a, bit more mainstream appeal than Asgard's Wrath, I would say. I mean, I could be entirely wrong because obviously Skyrim is the huge success that it is. But I feel like Insomniacs, I mean, first of all, it's a live game, right? The the entire world transforms every week. So Insomniac released this kind of committed to the idea of post-game support yeah. in the first place, which I think is absolutely crucial. The last, uh, the last game to talk about this week is um, Gollum the long delayed PSVR exclusive that's coming out. Uh, it's got a kind of weird release schedule, but I believe it's out in Europe physically and digitally tomorrow and then next week in the US. Uh, and Gollum, I'm playing it right now. Uh, there's no embargo on it, so I can talk about it. I have incredibly weird mixed feelings about that game. Say it. What, what am I meant to say? I uh, just what your feelings. I want to hear them. I have to say my okay. I have to okay. Zena Zena came up with the best uh, description of Gollum earlier when we were walking back from the store. Uh, Gollum is a game where you control giant, huge golems, as the name suggests. Um, they're made of stone. They walk around an ancient city, and you do battle with like giant stone swords and whatnot. And Zena said it's still stuck in the Stone Age. Oh man. Oh. <laughs> oh no. Oh. So that's I mean oh. that sounds incredibly harsh. There there are many 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 excellent things about Gollum. I haven't played a PSVR game since Blood and Truth that visually is that impressive, has that high production values, um and has real consideration in its story and player immersion. But it has a kind of lean-based locomotion system. So you have to hold the trigger on your PlayStation Move and then like, kind of tip yourself forward just very, very slightly to move forward. And when it works, it's okay. 
It's it's manageable. It's manageable, but you're you also like the problem with lean-based locomotion. That's the dream of right. a VR right there. When it works, yeah, it's okay. All right, it's okay. The problem the problem is like you're then like if you're leaning forward and you know you you're like you you've got momentum and you're walking forwards and there's no problems. I don't want to look anywhere else. I just want to stay focused and think I can't look anywhere else because I might mess up where I'm walking right now. And that's such a shame because Gollum has a beautiful world. Like the city you walk around is like very sandy, very crumbly. It's really well realized. But you just feel like you almost feel like you've got this weight on the back of your neck. I don't know if that's being picked up, but um, where you're just like, don't move. And then when it comes to the combat, the combat is melee based. And um, it's like it's like Vader Immortal, where you have to hold your weapon here or here based on the incoming swing to block before you get a chance to attack. And I've just had some incredibly frustrating experiences thinking, yep, that's definitely going to connect. And then the sword just like either like comes through my sword or maybe it hits me on the hand and that counts as a, like a, a hit. And when you're fighting, when you're fighting enemies that are uh, able to kill you in one hit or, and then, you know, the game has a whole loot system that if you die, you lose your loot. It's just really, really frustrating. So I'm I'm not done with Gollum. I do want to play it more. I think there's a good chance on the website we're going to have an article up before I finished it and before I can officially put a official score on it. But maybe today I want to put something up about my thoughts about those things, um, which you should uh, you should look out for. So I've frozen here, so I'm going to have to go out and come back in. But before I do, will you you do me a favor and tell Xena that that joke that she made, I think it rocks. So with that, I'll... Xena's watching on the live stream. Oh, okay. Well, there you go, Xena. You're welcome. Hey, uh, I'm going to introduce this before I I reboot. Um, The the hot topic uh, today is about Apple's announcements and role in the VR AR market. So um, I don't know who wants to start that, but start talking about that and I will return shortly. All right. So I'll I'll talk about that since I read up on that as much as possible. So uh, Apple's been rumored to be interested in VR and AR for a long time, mostly AR. The, The CEO, Tim Cook, has actually said some comments about how big of an opportunity he thinks AR can be. And then there's a report out this week saying that uh, Apple made a presentation to about a thousand employees and said, we're targeting 2022 for a quest like system and 2023 for AR glasses. Did they actually say quest like system themselves? Is that what the report was the reporting? This was the reporting of what was supposedly shared at this closed door meeting with Apple employees. Now, we have to be extremely careful in how we talk about this hardware because, you know, anything could be in the works there at Apple. Yep. They, they they probably are working on every possible configuration of a VR headset and an AR headset. So I, I've tried to explain this stuff to my kids, tried to, understand, to explain it to other people. You've got transparent displays that can do certain things. You've got opaque displays, which is what we're using right now. And then you've got cameras that can provide you with an augmented view of your surroundings on the opaque display. Pass through. 
pass through. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. and and Facebook has taken to the term of calling that pass through plus. And uh, it's fascinating that like the cameras on the index are such high quality, but that their pass through feature is buried in a Steam VR menu, right? Where it's a an absolute essential part of how the Oculus Quest functions and setting it up is you need that passer to see your environment, to pick up your controllers off the ground, to draw, and then you draw your actual boundaries around you to, to give you a safe space. Um, when it comes to Apple, they've clearly made some decisions about not focusing on anything until it's a market that's big enough for them to be interested. and that's the that's the kind of most interesting thing about this rumor in this report right is that they apparently made this presentation where they said we think that market's going to be big enough in 2022 mm-hmm. and that's an ex- that's a long way off for facebook and valve and whoever else decides to jump in here in the next year before the end of 2020 to build out a a real VR platform, uh, or to build out an AR platform, if that's how it goes, um, mm. it's Facebook obviously has their their hand tracking coming early next year for Oculus Quest. That's very much uh, an interface that is very well suited for AR, and they're sort of building out their basis of both AR and VR right in real time for us. And uh, it's just, I, I don't know how to match up these rumors that we've heard uh, of 2020, this report of 2022-2023 with the fact that code has been found in the iPhone software that gives you a split view and, and shows you uh, that they're rendering stereoscopically um the iPhone screen, like, why would they put that feature in a version of iOS now well, if they're two years away from actually doing anything with it? I was having a very, very interesting conversation with someone. I think it was uh, at the VR Awards the other night. I went to the VR Awards and I'm like, the other night. Look at me, we. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and they were saying that, and and this is true, that a lot of initial Apple rumors were that this thing was going to be out in 2020, right? Mm, but right. I think I think they were saying, look at the state of the industry, the AR industry, the state of AR technology, where it is right now. You, you think about like the years of hype that Magic Leap put out versus what they delivered in the first few years. I don't think this has gone as fast as, as people think it was going to go. Uh, and... and it might be true that that extends to Apple and Apple has gone from thinking, yeah, we'll have something out that is, you know, like test market, but still consumer ready in 2020 to, yeah, we need to push this another year, another two years, another three years in terms of the, the more ambitious AR plans. Um, that certainly seems the case to me. I mean, AR still seems to be from a headset perspective, still seems to be in the same place it was when HoloLens One released in in some respects, right? So, so, so here's my hot take on this: is that I think that releasing in 2022 gives developers the opportunity to get their hands on initial versions of the hardware, 
mm-hmm. and to build an ecosystem which Apple needs uh, yeah. to have ready to go as soon as it. We, we don't want this to be a console that is released with two games available for it. Sure. We want it to have a whole bunch of content, and that gives developers uh, if they get because I had read somewhere that you know the the developers would start getting hardware in early 2021. That gives them plenty of time to to build an ecosystem for this hardware, which I think is smart because, you know, look, look at what we've been. We've all been growing together in the VR industry. As games come out, as things happen, we get excited over and over again. If Apple can come and just drop the mic, here's our headset and here's an ecosystem of, of mm-hmm. apps and experiences, it's going to put them in a really advantageous position. So the, the the report says that Apple is looking at bringing it to developers in in 2021, right? I think that's that's the line. Correct. There. Yes. That's right. That, mm-hmm. So that's that's a little later than maybe Might. than what you were suggesting, but maybe maybe the idea is that that's 2021 for a much wider kind of rollout, and maybe 2020 they bring it to you know like the epics, the epic games, the you know the Legos and the whatnot that they then bring up on stage the day they announce all of this. Right, exactly. Uh, James, uh, are are you an Apple uh, or an Android guy? Just curious. No, I'm I'm an Apple guy. I'm I'm heavily invested in their products. Okay, okay. <laughs> well, at least you didn't say like BlackBerry or something. <laughs> no, exactly. No, but yeah. I, I I think everything that pushes uh, the uh, the hardware forward and brings more games and apps to the public, I think it's good. So uh, I'm I'm all for this. I think it's great. Hmm. Good. Yeah. I. I mean. I'm. I spent quite a bit of time being uh, uh, an Android guy, and now I am an Apple guy as well. I'm trying to learn both sides of the force, sort of, so to speak. <laughs> Ian, are you here? In I'm here. Yes. Okay. Hey, w- w- will you uh, give some information uh, about what we've got going on in terms of like shows and things like that? Yeah, so we've got the uh, a new VR showcase. We premiered a ton of great games back uh, at E3 this year as our first showcase, and we've got another one to gather together all of the next set of major releases, and that'll be premiering on Thanksgiving week right before everyone goes away to the uh, Black Friday holiday and uh, the, shop, the, the shopping that everyone will be doing there. And uh, assuming that Jamie and assuming that Jamie returns in a minute, he'll do his interview with you, James. Cool. And uh, we've also got a culture show, I believe, early next week, uh, planning to premiere on the uh, YouTube channel. So make sure to subscribe to the VR download. Get to this podcast each week. We're on all available platforms. Okay. Uh, hey, what do you say, James? Are you ready to do an interview? Yeah, let's do it. Thank you for joining. Thank Thank you. you. Cheers. Thanks. Hello. I'm Jamie from Upload VR with James Hunt, which is the name I knew straight away. Isn't that (laughs) impressive, James? Yeah, I'm very impressed. (laughs) (laughs) So, James, you are from Fast Travel Games. That's right. Fast Travel Games is a developer in Stockholm, Sweden. That's right as well. You have developed before Apex Construct. Yeah, exactly. So I was uh, an animator on our first title, the Apex Construct. Okay, and today you have a new game, which is The Curious Tale of the Stolen Pets. Yeah, okay, cool. So The Curious Tale of the Stolen Pets is a very, very different game to Apex Construct, right? Yeah, you're right. 
why don't you give us a quick overview about what the game is about? Okay, so in this game, you have these small worlds in front of you, and you're guided by your grandfather's voice, taking you through your childhood memories you had together. And there's a troubled relationship with your sister, and uh, that evolves during the story of the game. Okay, cool. So there is that kind of interesting mix of kind of, it's a very whimsical game, right? It's a very mm-hmm. uh, wholesome game is what we called it in our review, which you can read up on the site right now. But there is also a, a kind of interesting mix of memory there, right? And there's a deeper story to be told. Is that, is yeah. that, is that right? Yeah, no, you're right. So uh, this uh, story, so you're basically trying to figure out why the pets in these worlds are stolen. And these are memories you'd share with your grandfather and your sister. And uh, you're trying to figure out what went wrong with your sister. Mm, Okay. Um, And the way the game presents itself is puzzles. So you have these really, really nice diorama-sized worlds. Where did the idea for that come from? So I think in in VR, what works really well is scale. It could be Mm. like really big things or really small things. And a lot of games don't utilize this too much, but I wanted to make a game uh, with this in mind. So going for a small scale diorama was what what I thought of first. So when we we spoke earlier in the podcast, you brought up some really fascinating uh, influences. Mm. So you said Captain Toad's uh, Treasure Tracker. Treasure Tracker, that's the one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and Machinarium. Uh, yeah, and I yeah. believe there are a few there are a few other like point and click kind of influences, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So these games are just basically games I like. Uh, I wouldn't say our game is um, very similar to these games, but mm. there, there's elements of them that I really like that I put into this game and then I I just uh, came up with this idea. Well, I, I definitely feel like you can see a similarity or a correlation in terms of art style with a lot of of those games, right? I mean, Mm. first of all, Captain Toad is a gorgeous, vibrant game and Mm. I think quite similar in in, uh, visual tone to Mm. Curious Tale. If if people haven't seen a Curious Tale trailer, go and watch it right now. We'll we'll wait. Like, (laughs) the the animation in the game is absolutely incredible. It uses a kind of stop-motion animation, right? Yes, so that... Yeah, please. Oh, sorry. Yeah, no, no, that was on purpose. So being an animator, I wanted to do my take on the animations for this game and also wanted to put animation in focus. So when uh, prototyping on it, I came up with the idea of maybe trying stop motion and see how that feels. Mm. I mean, you don't you don't want to fool the player that you, you're having a bad frame rate in the game in any sense, but yeah. it actually turned out to work really well. If you, As long as we kept it to the characters and not anything else, it worked really well. So mm. I think it, it feels that you can reach out to the to these tiny worlds and uh, yeah, I think it worked out. Um, talking about those influences, we've talked a lot about the games that, the traditional games that influenced it. Was there any kind of uh, influence from games like, you know, Astrobot or Lucky's Tale that also play with that kind of third-person uh, diorama-sized world? Was that, w- did that kind of influence the design at all? I mean, I, I do like those games. I love, I love playing Moss. I, uh, Astrobot is one of my favorite VR games. Uh, Ghost Giant is another favorite of mine. I didn't want mm, to necessarily make. Incredible. Yeah, I didn't want to make those games. I wanted to make it unique as in our game but i mean they were definitely games i really liked and influences Mm. Uh, and we talked about the animation a bit there 
you worked as an animator on Apex Contract as well, like you said. Yeah. Was why did you start to tackle, uh, or why did you start to blend VR and animation? Did you come to fast travel because you wanted to, like, look into that area, or? or? Yeah, so the opportunity came up to uh, work for Fast Travel Games, and I found it really exciting. And I mean, VR mm. when when the Oculus was released, it was uh, it was amazing. I mean, like most people who put on VR for the first time, it's just uh, you, you, your jaw drops. So yeah, once once I tried to just once I just saw one of my animations in VR, I knew that this was something I wanted to work with. So uh, it's really gratifying to see your your work, mm. uh, whether it's uh, modeling or textures or animation in VR. It's just uh, amazing. Have you ever, um, or for even for this project, have you played with any kind of in VR animation software? Uh, I have. I've tried an in VR. I've tried Quill. I've modelled in uh, Medium, and I I think uh, they are gr- they're great. I wish I could spend more time with them. I just haven't had the time. But I, I love those softwares really. Mm. I think it'd be really interesting to make a game based on those kinds of uh, assets that you create, right? Mm, definitely. And 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 I've I've uh, I paid for the creative early access of Dreams for the PlayStation and I'm oh, really loving, wow okay really, you could really loving that podcast well. talking about yeah. that <laughs> yeah. that yeah, is fascinating it. right yeah. Yeah. I can't it wait is. till that's in VR that'll be mm. absolutely incredible yeah. um, so you have these influences you have your animation background mm. um, talk to me a little bit about the kind of tone and I guess, for lack of a better term, like difficulty that went into this game because it is more of a relaxed VR gaming experience than you know, even compared to a lot of the stuff that's out this week, right? Mm, exactly. Yeah. So yet again, I think it's just a matter of me wanting to do a game that uh, I really would like to enjoy playing, and uh, I like uh, accessible games that are not necessarily too hard it's just enjoyable to be in the environments mm. no f- no fail states no uh, hard uh, locomotions no motion sickness mm. or at least trying to limit that as much as possible so i just i on purpose wanted to make a game that could reach out to as many people as possible and uh, yeah that was that was the aim mm. um ian was saying earlier that the way he's experienced the game so far Mm. Is that his? He's been playing with his kid, and he hasn't been in VR. His kid has been in VR, yeah. And uh, she has been solving the puzzles, and he's been looking on another screen, mm. uh, helping her along with that. Was that mm. a really kind of unintended surprise for you? Definitely. I, I never had in mind that the game was suited for children. Uh, we we follow the recommendations that Oculus and the other companies have. That it's like from twelve and above. Mm. But if if you want to let, let your uh, child play this game, I'm fine with that. It's it's a very family uh, family friendly game, and I mean that's great that someone can play and another one can follow along, or you could finish the game and then just hand it over to the next one. We've got several game slots, so you could actually the whole fam- yeah. family could play the game. Yeah, and mm. um, one of the great things about the puzzles is a lot of puzzle games are defined by like a set of mechanics, right? Portal mm. is entirely built around the idea that you're going to shoot two portals, walk in one, come out the other. Yeah. For you guys, um, it's very much a case of picking up individual objects and working out 
how that's going to apply to the level, right? So hmm. for in the first in the first level, I won't give away any solutions, but there's a kettle, for example. Yeah. What um what came first in this game when designing it? Was it the puzzles and then you built a level around that, or was it the kind of theme and then you tried to work in puzzles to each theme that you were going for? Yeah, good question. Uh, uh, so often it was the theme that would come first. And really? Then we would okay. Yeah, and then we would think out a layout for the theme and how that world would look. And then, then I would start to think about, okay, what objects would suit this theme? And then I would I would like do a mind map and start drawing lines and how could this create a puzzle and how could that work? So from start to finish, we were like iterating on the worlds, we were iterating on the, on the puzzles and... Uh, mm to to have something that worked in the end mm. um in terms of the interactions with many of these objects then were there mm. any kind of like really big pain points in trying in terms of trying to work something out i mean i was just playing the second level which uses a hairdryer to again not try to give away too many spoilers but <laughs> get rid of a lot of the snow in the level yeah yeah, yeah. and that uh, some of this seems incredibly complex to me Has, have there been a lot of headaches in the project or yeah, so I mean, there's a few technical issues. I guess the programmers did have when trying to figure out how to melt the snow and such. Uh, but we tried to make the puzzles fairly simple, and we're not reusing any mechanics, but we're reusing some of the systems that work for different. So a lot of the game is just a matter of picking up objects, using them in different manners, and poking at different stuff, and mm. triggering animations. Yeah, that's really interesting because it's. One of the best VR experiences I find are when they're not built. Lots of traditional video games are built around a set mechanic, right? Mm -mm. And that's that's an idea that's kind of in com conflict with a lot of traditional VR in that how can you have a set mechanic in a world or a virtual world that is meant to try and imitate real life? Mm. Mm. And I feel like that's something that you guys have tackled in a very interesting way in, in this project is that each of the, the, the five levels, right? I'm thinking there's mm. five. Yeah, yeah, no, it's fine. Um, has a different kind of hook and mm. there's very natural interaction in the world in each one, I would say. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, we wanted it to just uh, play by intuition and uh, there's, uh, there's something nice with every world being unique and you being surprised in every world what's going to happen as well. It obviously mm. takes longer time to build when you're not reusing a mechanic all the time. But I think in the end, we're really happy with what we made. Mm. Yeah. yeah um, one of the things we've been talking about as well is is um, the length of the game. Mm. So, um, it is, like I said, it's it's five levels. And I think it'll probably see you, what, anywhere between two to three hours to see through. Is, is, is that a fair? I think reasonably would be like one and a half to two hours maybe. Okay. Um, and this was a, a conscious choice we made. We we went for quality over quantity this time. Yeah. And this is a new title for us and it's self-funded. So we, we didn't know if it would work or not, but we want, we really believed in it. So we, we went for it. And mm. uh, hopefully um, people love it and want more. And we would love to make more if that's the case as well. So uh, I think... That was a good scoop. 
Well done. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, no, but uh, I, I think I, I personally like short games. I don't think that's mm. any, anything bad. I like to finish a game and feel that I want more of it rather yep. than playing a game and not finishing it cause, because I became bored. So I, I personally don't mind a short game, and I mm. hope that people feel that we have priced the game accordingly to the, the, uh, the scale of it. Do you think that's especially true of VR, the, you know, the like of shorter gaming experiences? Because I personally do. Yeah, I think it works really well. I mean, personally, I, I'm i not too fond on having the headset on for too long. It gets warm. Mm. And if it's a game that does have free locomotion, I might get nauseous as well. So I think mm. to be able to play shorter sessions, maybe uh, 20, 30 minutes, it suits VR really well. Take me through your choice of costume today. You, you've got a py- pirate costume. Yeah, so I was looking through the different costumes in the avatars and I saw there's, there's this one with a little parrot on the shoulder and I thought, oh, well, that suits mm, mm. Being, being a game about pets. So this is my parrot. Oh, well, that's a great point. I hadn't thought about yeah. that. Is, is yeah. there a parrot in the game? Nope. <laughs> there is no parrot in the game. No, okay. not yet. <laughs> so there is scope for DLC, parrot-based DLC. Mm, who knows? Who knows? Okay, so I can I can add that into the story I'm going to write later that you're making parrot-based DLC. <laughs> if people want parrots in a in a future Curious Tale title, may, maybe there will be. <laughs> I, I've, I've just got one more suggestion for that. Use the Oculus Rift microphone or, or the given headset's microphone. Get it to repeat what it needs. I'll let ah. you figure out the headache, but oh, that sounds like a, a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I think. Um, one of the interesting things about this game is it is the first game Fast Travel has released since the release of the Oculus Quest. And obviously, uh, you guys released a port of Apex Construct, which is a very proficient port. Hmm. But to me, there's something that lines up with the tone and style of this game, with the kind of accessibility that Quest is going for. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I do. Uh I love the Quest. I think it's the it's my choice of headset, and mm. uh, I think we we wanted to make a game where you could play sitting or standing, but you could also walk around, which suits really mm. well with the Quest. So, so you're right. It does it does work really well on the Quest. Was it a project that started out thinking, uh, how can we get something on the Quest that will work really well, or was it a kind of you know a, a happy coincidence, if you will? I think it's a happy coincidence, but we did have it in our back mind, or like we did think about it early on. We did, yeah. Mm, interesting. Mm. Um, yeah, and and so it's the case that the PlayStation VR version is coming out next week. Is that right? Exactly. There was a pet that got lost, and it's finally <laughs> found. And uh, <laughs> we're uh, we're releasing the game on PlayStation next week. Okay, great, 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 great. Um, yeah, I think that's great. Cool. I think uh, I think people should uh, definitely check the game out. We have our review up. We mm-hmm. gave it four stars out of five. That was reviewed by David, who wasn't on the podcast earlier today, but he is our games editor, so trust me, he knows. Um, and I, I really liked his opening line for the review, which was something along the lines of, it is a game you want to play to feel warm, snug and cozy right mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. and you don't you don't see too much of that in vr these days do you no 
No, but what I like the most when people play the game is to see them smile. It, it really, it's mm-hmm. really nice. And uh, you're right; it's not all games that do bring out that smile. And I think it's uh, it, there's there's room for really cool action shooters, and there's room for these games as well. And I hope that even if you don't necessarily think that it's a game for you, you should give it a try, and uh, there might be something you, that you really enjoy there. Mm. Is it your hope that uh, it's kind of a Christmas Day game that you know we're not too far away from Christmas now, people are going to be unwrapping Oculus Quests. Do you think it would be a re- like make for a really nice kind of family gathering uh, kind of game? Yeah, that would be great. Um, why not? Yeah, okay. Good point. <laughs> <laughs> cool. So um, this is out now. We don't know what Fast Travel is working on next. I'm sure we'll, we'll hear at some point in apart, the future. Apart from Budget Cuts too. Oh, of course. Forgive me. Yes, of course. So that's an interesting thing. Um, you guys are co-developing Budget Cuts 2, which is out December 12th with mm-hmm. Neat Corporation, the developers of the original game. How much how much involvement with that one have you had? Have you have you worked on it at all or is that mainly elsewhere in the office? No, that's elsewhere in the office. So I've been fully on uh, Curious Tell. We obviously get to uh, help try out the game and uh, give ideas and stuff like that, but I've been 100, 120% on <laughs> the curious time. 120%. <laughs> yeah. has it, has it been, it's been a long day for you today, or has it been a long week, or is it, has it been kind of actually kind of smooth, or how's this week been? Yeah, no, it's been, it's been all right. It's been actually uh, it's been a long 11 months working on this game. Oh, I'm sure, yeah. But 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 I've really enjoyed it, and I'm super thankful for this opportunity. I've I came in as as an animator, and I'm really happy that they let me be the creative lead on this game. So uh, I'm super happy that it's out, and now I'm just trying to have a little breather before we look into what what to do next. Mm, awesome. Well, we're gonna go let you have that breather because obviously. You're in Stockholm. It's even later than it is here in the UK. Um, Mm. James, we really appreciate you coming on the show today, especially in the hustle and bustle of releasing a game. Taking an hour or two out of your time is is tough, I know. So thank you so much for being here. Cheers. Thanks for having me. Cool. Um, I don't know how the end of the podcast works, but thanks for being here. I've never done the end of the podcast before, but I'll give you a thumbs up. James, give him a thumbs up. Hey! (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.